Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Agents of Mace. Today, we are continuing our preview of Multiverse of Madness, our in-between filler until we get to the new series. All of this is also known as our rewatch of WandaVision. So today, we're talking about episode two and episode three. We're getting into the nitty-gritty of all the nothingness that's happening so far and prepping us for the giant thing that <laughs> kicks it all off and really pulled in everyone's interest to the series. So I guess we'll start with episode two and then we'll get into episode three. So for episode two, first thoughts. There was totally an audio cut out for me. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, said, I, I did not hear what you said. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, first thoughts for uh, episode two. <laughs> I feel like we need video so we could all do like the, the nose thing. Because <laughs> 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 we get bewitched. <laughs> Such a Twitter. smart episode. Like, I mean, they had to do this. Right, like, um, yeah. So, uh, okay. So we're just gonna go into. Are we doing first thoughts just for two? Are we gonna do two? Yeah, and yeah. Three or like, we'll just do two, and then we'll jump into three. Because um, I feel like they're very, very different. <laughs> very different. Yeah. Two was um, just. I guess in one word, it's just wacky. <laughs> That's a solid. Yeah. Solid take on. <laughs> I think uh well you you first Alisa and then I'll then I'll go. Oh, um yeah, this one is uh is definitely wacky and it has some of the uh alongside that it has some of the creepier moments of the season. <laughs> uh the beekeeper situation and uh the first time we see 
Wanda revise, edit something that's happening in uh, in Westview happens in this episode, I believe. Um, overall, it's a whole lot of fun, though. Like, we get to see them uh, do a magic show while hiding the fact that they actually can do real magic. And Vision gets drunk on chewing gum, which is great. Makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that would have flown in a 60s sitcom. So, totally fits. Yeah, I'll agree. I, I think that this episode, as goofy as it is, it's goofy in the best way possible. Or it's just like comedy hijinks at its peak. Slapstick comedy. The, the drunk vision <laughs> as far away from any sense that it makes is also just hilarious. Uh, and it's just fun to see more of these practical effects. We're like back to this. We're still in that time where it's like, yeah, well, he's actually lifting a piano. Like, yeah, sure, it's like a prop piano. It probably doesn't weigh anything or it's on a string or something. But, like, it's a real – it's not a CG effect. So I enjoyed that. Um, and then even the CG – like, the the CG effect that we get is, like, done in the same way that they probably mm-hmm. would have done it back then. So – very curious if uh, if they wrote in the script, Vision, you're going to get drunk on bubble gum, or if they just had the idea of like, hey, you're an android, you get gum lodged inside of you, just play with it and see what happens. <laughs> I I feel like they had to have, there had to be some sort of like, hey, act like this. Yeah. Because if I was playing an android and someone is like you got your works all gummed up literally i don't know that my first thought would be oh i'll act drunk (laughs) i would think like it would be like you're moving slow or your reflexes aren't as fast or you can't think of things as quickly but him taking it to this like he's just obliterated drunk vision (laughs) and like can't do anything right like i i thought it was really funny uh, it was weird too how if he can phase in and out of things, you'd think that when he swallowed the gum, his first instinct would to be just like let it phase through him mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just <laughs> sure, swallow it, keep it in there. <laughs> Maybe he was just enjoying the ride. Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> That's his way of. Yeah, enjoying the day. Um, I think that we we get to learn a little bit about what's going on in Westview in this episode, um, especially when all of the ladies are at their like pre-talent show brunch planning meeting, whatever. Um, I think that this was like, it wasn't my favorite moment from this episode, but I think it was the biggest, like most important moment from this episode mm-hmm. where they're chatting and all of a sudden she, Wanda starts to hear somebody like calling out to her from the radio. Mm-hmm. And then the head lady, I can't remember her name, but yeah, I don't know that it matters. Doesn't <laughs> but, matter. Blonde one. Yes. She, she, she starts to kind of like, 
I mean, for lack of a better term, break character. Yeah, the whole time I'm just like, I don't know. She was so on point with so many things. It's like, was she really in a character mode or was like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like one of those intense moments of like, does she know that that's, you know, an Avenger in front of her? Like, right. Kind of that moment. Well, and especially like when when she breaks the glass in her hand Mm -hmm. and then she starts to like come back to her Westview character. Mm -hmm. It's it's strange how she just kind of like ignores the situation and is like, you know, it gets blood out of stuff. And it's like, (laughs) wouldn't she have reacted to the blood in her hand? And I know that, of course, we're watching all this knowing Mm -hmm. what happens later, but. It is just a strange, it's like another one of those eerie moments where you're like, ooh, what is, what is happening? Like, is she in on it? Is she a victim of this? I don't know. I apparently have Blonde One's name in my notes and it's Dottie. Oh, and perfect. I remember <laughs> watching this episode, I thought that the neighborhood ladies would have a bigger role in the series. Like Mm. they would come back and like still be making Wanda's life heck or something. But this is really the last episode where they matter at all. Mm. This is the last one where we see her trying to engage with uh, this group of biddies who kind of run the neighborhood. And I don't know. I feel like they could have played with this a little bit more, especially since so much of, especially the early part of the series, is focused on them trying to fit in in Westview. Right. Um, and eventually, of course, that becomes way less relevant because we've got chaos magic and other witches besides these to deal with. And it just, it. I don't know. Part of me wants to see more just because I wanted this to have more of an arc to it. And mm. part of it without it kind of just feels like filler. Not that I didn't enjoy these scenes because it is, it is fun. And again, kind of a call back to those older sitcoms where that was kind of what the wife does. She goes mm. and she's got to deal with all of the housewifely concerns, um, <laughs> like dealing with the dotties of the world <laughs> and then having to defend your choice to wear pants. Yeah. But it, but to your point, it is, it is kind of a bummer that they didn't explore that more because I feel like they did with Vision. Like Vision has a whole arc later in the series with all of the the guys that he works with. Mm-hmm. And they seem to come back more often than this group of women from the town. Like we still see Dottie, but she's just like a background character. So it is strange that they built her up as like the head of the neighborhood. And then, I mean, who knows? Maybe they, maybe she was written into more scenes and they just had to cut those for time and we just won't ever get them. But like, it is weird that they really sort of built up this neighborhood committee that mm-hmm. then, and maybe it's Wanda's like choice after this whole situation happens. Going into the next episode is when she like, Decides she's pregnant, has the kids. So it's kind of like, well, maybe this doesn't matter anymore to her because she has the kids coming. Mm-hmm. All these episodes, too, really, like, aside from just foreshadowing the birth of the twins, they, it seems to be building up to the fact that the twins are going to be significant 
down the road. Like mm-hmm. in the very first episode, one of the first things that Wanda's asked is why they don't have kids yet. And in this one, they say over and over and over again that everything is for the children. Like, mm-hmm. and it feels very creepy. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they're at this cutesy little talent show, not like, for the children. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds so, me of. Uh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just say it reminds me of um, that that movie Hot Fuzz. <laughs> when, like the groups all together and like for the greater good yeah <laughs> that's what it reminded me of just like a bunch of creepy for the children you're like oh <laughs> it kind of reminds me of stepford wives even though all of that was <laughs> yeah. for the husbands <laughs> so we might be getting to see like i know we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before but there might be greater things awaiting billy and tommy after mm-hmm this series and I'm not meaning to get too far ahead of myself but it it just seems that way yeah I mean I don't think you're getting too far ahead I, I think that that's kind of what is exciting about re-watching the series knowing that it's at least mentioned in Multiverse of Madness so mm-hmm. we can only assume that maybe the outcome of this series has something to do with multiverse of madness, whether that is Wanda potentially trying to get her kids back. Um, I want to know what you think. If she does aim to get her kids back, do you think she's going to get her kids back at the age that she lost them? Or do you think that those roles will be recast with some older characters and then that will be like the beginning of them in the MCU. Since so much of their existence depends on Wanda, I think when she gets them back, they probably will be the same age that they were when she lost them. If no other reason than uh, the, these are young actors, they're going to age really quickly. Um, they probably already look significantly older than they did whenever they filmed WandaVision. So, it, to me, it would make a lot of sense for them to keep those same kids. And if they're going to continue using them, to let them age up. Especially since Elizabeth Olsen is not that much older than they are. Right. So, if they have, like, 20-year-olds being her kids, then that's going to look like she was 12 when she had them. <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think it would be cool to see them brought back. Um, I know that they're pretty big in the comics um so it'd be cool to see them brought back i don't know if it would part of me there's a series it's called uh, i don't remember it's basically like xavier's school but it's all of the like younger generation of heroes going to school and like learning how to be heroes and (laughs) sorry sorry i just thought like instead of muppet babies it'd be mutant babies yeah yeah, pretty much yeah (laughs) i'd watch that cartoon yeah as long as they were actually muppets too that'd be great um big crossover i i think that that would be a fun series if they if they stuck with that storyline of like mutant high or whatever it's called Hmm. and and just maybe that's how they kind of introduced us to some of the lesser known mutant heroes um, like Hazmat. I like Hazmat's one of the characters in that. Like not a lot of people know about Hazmat. 
that'd be a cool character to just introduce in this show. If they really wanted to do like a accurate Jubilee, they could throw her in there too and just let her be in school and like age up with all these kids. And I, it's easy. <laughs> it's interesting and it's easy. So I don't know why Marvel wouldn't do it, but at the same time, you know, they have their whole big plan for the next 30 years. So <laughs> Who, who yeah. knows what they've got coming down the pipeline? Daunting. <laughs> I want to circle back to the neighbors for a second. Because digging into the Easter eggs in, within this episode, man, there's a lot that we overlooked or <laughs> didn't talk about in depth. But I can even see this becoming a series. But theories around the neighbors is that could it be Marvel's uh, Satan seven? And this goes back into, you know, does it go the Mephisto route? Uh, if you look, there's a couple of Easter eggs in the intro of this episode. One of which is the grim grim reapers helmet, which is at the bottom of their house. Interesting. So that's really fascinating of, uh, cause, uh, list out the neighbors. So you got Fred and Linda, Dennis, the mailman, Dottie and Phil, Beth. And then there's someone named Herbert. So they're excluding Agnes and Geraldine out of these neighbors because we already know who Ag- we already know who these two people are, mm-hmm. but we don't really know much else about these other seven. So that that would be a really cool series, I think. I feel like they've they like it's difficult because they they do throw so many Easter eggs in that are just for us to go, ooh, look at that, yeah. that's cool. But then it doesn't ultimately have any payoff. It's just like a fun thing to look at. But on the flip side, it is like, uh, it's like you're setting yourself up for all these cool things. Mm -hmm. To not pay them off just seems dumb isn't the right word. But like, it just doesn't make sense. But maybe it's also just them setting stuff up and then they're like okay we have that we have that established so like it's down the line like, if we want to use it it's like if we if we get writer's block well you know we did do this yeah like we can yeah. go back and revisit that yeah it's like a safety net that they're just creating for themselves but then if they want to do that story like crazy justice later on they can mm-hmm. rewrite it and it be just like oh yeah that was just like a fun easter egg but this is the actual story so i don't know but we also get in this episode uh, her finding the helicopter, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was the first episode of this. But that's the first time we see something in color. Mm-hmm. And that was like a big, whoa, that's cool. Like, what's going on there? Why is that in color and nothing else is? Um, I think it's neat to like later in the series when we find out what the helicopter is. That was probably one of my favorite points. I can't wait till we get to that episode just because I was like, oh, it like, oh, I get it. Like, not only it changes forms and stuff. So I thought that that was a really clever plug early on that doesn't get explained until much, much later in the yeah. series. Did we not get a tiny, tiny dot of red in the first episode on the Stark Industries toaster? Didn't the little I, light on the toaster turn red? Oh, it may have. 
I, I think I think it gets more and more instances of color until uh, the end of this episode mm-hmm. when it all turns color. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting that they uh, notice. No, it's it would be all color in the three, right? Uh, yeah, in, in episode three, it's all color. At the end, it shows their house like turning color, oh, that's right, that's and also right, yeah. I think I think slowly remodeling itself into yeah. the '70s style. Yeah, yeah that's right. <clears throat> yeah, but it's interesting that they notice, mm-hmm. like, and everything turns to color. They're they're kind of like, it's like oh, it's like interesting. Uh, so were they seeing everything in black and white? Right. It's like the Toby movie. Was it Pleasantville? Yeah. Oh yes! Oh yeah. my gosh, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> well, on on the uh, transition of color, let's move into episode three. So, uh, first thoughts on episode three? Oh, I think you always have to go first, Luke. Yes, I guess, sure. yeah. I always go first. <laughs> <laughs> um. Color vision. <laughs> uh, three, like, three felt like it's like really amplified the story so quick, right? Like, <clears throat> it's just really interesting because you kind of go back, think of like episode two of like for, for a show kind of like created to look like at that time, you know, the, even the opening's very risque for what it is. Cause I wasn't really paying that much attention. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. They pushed the beds together and, and then, you know, they have their little moment and I'm like, man, this escalated quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Basically that's episode three. It escalates quickly. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Elisa? <laughs> okay. So I know that really important stuff happens in this episode. But my favorite thing about it is how it sends up all the pregnancy tropes from sitcoms. (laughs) Like, it's, like, start to finish, like, going through all of these things that you've seen, especially in those older shows when Mm -hmm. they were uh, not quite as realistic as as they are now on TV. Um, And aside from that, uh, something else that I've noticed re-watching all these earlier shows is that... Like, of course, this cast is great. They're doing a really great job with each era they're supposed to be depicting. But heavens to Betsy, Paul Bettany looks like he just walked out of the 70s in this. He doesn't look like he's dressed 70s. He looks like he is 70s. Like, it's unreal. The opening sequence is nuts. It just seems so authentic. So this is a this is a really good one. I love this one. I remember being really really sad whenever we got to the episode after this, which we'll talk about next week, and it didn't directly follow this one up. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that this one was a lot of fun, especially because it was like, I mean, to both of your points, it was it was fun, and so much happened in this one that like finally the story started like as interesting and creepy as the first two episodes were because we didn't know what was going on this episode like really ramps it up like she's pregnant and goes through a nine-month pregnancy in one day and the (laughs) only person that notices is vision and like i assume she notices too but she just is like whatever no it's fine um 
And so it's like, well, hold on, like something's happening, something's not right. And we get our first instance of sword and some crazy stuff happens there that we'll get to. <laughs> and the episode winds itself up with like the first instance of like what's actually going on. So I think it's interesting that they not dragged out the pregnancy, but it did seem like, cause I mean, it's one day instead of nine months, but <laughs> it is like, it's strange how time works with it. Where like, sometimes it seems like there's a giant leap in time of her pregnancy. And then other times it seems like not much time has passed in her pregnancy. Um, and I know that she's, I mean, we know that she's like in control of this whole world. So it's weird that vision isn't being controlled. And like clearly knows something's up, like something's not right. But she can't stop him from thinking that. Mm -hmm. But then I guess it goes to like, does she want to control him? It's more like she doesn't want to control him. But if he's going to like tear apart the fabric of this reality she's created, like, wouldn't she try harder to like contain it but also we're still under the impression that like maybe she doesn't know what's going on it's all very confusing <laughs> as to like who knows what uh but it i think it's it's like fun and interesting instead of just fun or just interesting mm -hmm. yeah i mean she the amount of control that she has on it seems to change over the course of the series because it seems kind of like something that she kind of spontaneously and maybe unconsciously created at first, but she gains more conscientious control as she goes, presumably because her powers are getting stronger because she's becoming the Scarlet Witch. Um, and so it might just be an instinctive thing for her whenever she's fixing things and making it do this and that, uh, rather than some great big scheme that she's got that she's trying to plot all of this stuff. Like it doesn't seem like she's purposefully making the house go nuts whenever she goes into labor or anything like that. And it doesn't necessarily seem like she's purposefully trying to expedite her pregnancy. It's just kind of happening. Mm-hmm. But again, her subconscious is very much running the show. So things that she doesn't like get changed. So she mm. doesn't like Geraldine at the end of this episode. And Geraldine gets yeeted out of the hex. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that's such a, that's such like a big moment. Because it's like, first of all, the first time you watch this, this is when you realize like, oh, it's not just something's weird. It's like, oh... Something's wrong. Like, she just launched this person through this, I mean, I guess at the time, portal. We're not really sure what it is that Geraldine is flying out of. Right. But she just gets launched out. And we don't even really get to see that whole scene play out mm -hmm. until much later. Um, so it's like, oh, 
wow, like that was intense. Why did Wanda get so <laughs> scary? And then where did Geraldine go? Like, did she kill her? And then the episode ends and we're like, oh, okay, she's alive. She just got launched outside of the <laughs> bubble. Uh, so, I, yeah, I could see that, that it's just like her subconscious running things. Um, That's just but nuts. It, yeah. Agreed. It's just like, <laughs> why? where was all this power when you're fighting Thanos, right? <laughs> Yeah. It's like, does she she know? Because this is also like, you know, does she know that she has this much power and that Mm. she can do all of this or or that it was always a possibility, but she never like wanted to tap into it? Mm -hmm. Well, and here's another question. Now that we know she can do this and she knows she can do this, do we think that the house that she's at when Doctor Strange finds her in the trailer for Multiverse of Madness, is that a similar situation? Has she blocked her? Because all we see is like this never-ending orchard that surrounds this house. So mm-hmm. it's possible that she has just like created a space just for herself. Maybe she has learned her lesson about not manipulating large populations of people. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> and it seems like she's really absorbed in just looking for the twins. So I, I, we're not trying to get ahead of ourselves. We're not trying to get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> so it could just be that she doesn't have the time or the energy to be using these powers for anything else. She's just searching mm-hmm. as hard as she can. Yeah, I'm interested to see how, like how much how much of this plays into where she is in multiverse because like I'm, as far as just character mm-hmm. wise, like she's gone through so much. Yeah. Like I mean this, this whole series starts because Vision dies and she loses her mind and then she has kids and then the kids are taken away and she loses vision again and it's like Mike like what more could happen to her yeah she's had it rough <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, I'm very curious to see uh, has she actually distanced herself or has she interacted with you know Agatha Agnes anymore well, yeah, do we think that she's going to show up? And Is she going through like any kind of training? Mm-hmm. Mm. Nah. <laughs> it sounds like we're not going to have time for uh, for Agatha in Multiverse of Madness. The, there's a lot going on in that one based on everything we've heard so far. So yeah. we, might, we might not get Catherine Hahn in that movie. Yeah. Extra scene. i hope so i hope that i i would love a teaser for one of these series like you know what's she up to what's kate bishop up to now what's Mm -hmm. i want to know like give me some more tidbits to like tide me along until the next series no (laughs) oh there's so many theories and fun things we could do thinking like 
something will happen, like everything will get fixed and Billy and Tommy come back, but they're going to show up with Kate Bishop. Or they're going to show up and they're going to be really old. <laughs> I mean, they could. Like, Whoa, they're from the future. Or like, will they show up and will they already be like their superhero entities? <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to know, do you think that with the addition to the X-Men in the MCU, do you think we will get these stories that we've seen already redone? Like, do you think we'll do another Days of Future Past or another Apocalypse or anything like that? Or do you think they'll they'll try to shy away from that at least for a while? I mean, no. If, if like, if we're going to get all new mutant actors to portray these characters, even if there's a chance, like, any of the old ones could come back to do something, like, they'll want to make it canon in their entertainment universe. So, mm-hmm. like... You know, and the thing is, like, a movie like Apocalypse, to me, is forgettable. So, like, mm-hmm. I'm 100% okay if they want to redo that. Surely they think that we're burned out on the old X-Men stories, though, and that they want to... If this comic has been running for decades, there's got to be other stories from it that they can tell that are fan favorites. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, why would they try to... Especially the Dark Phoenix saga. They can't <laughs> do that one again. Please, like... Uh, Third time's Give a charm. It 50 more <laughs> no. years. No. Oh, uh, yeah. I want they, my kid. They I want... already had the third time because the cartoon did it too. And the third yeah. time was not the charm. I want my children to be like 50 when they finally say, we're going to reboot Dark Phoenix. <laughs> and by then, it'll be like whenever they did that whole movie out of John Carter and it was like 100 years old and nobody cared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ah, I just want to know the way that Wanda is going from this series into the movie. How could she not flip to the villain at some point? Like, and maybe that's where we start with X-Men joining. We start with House of M and have her freak out and wipe half of the mutant populations or all of the mutant populations abilities. And like, maybe that's how they're introduced is like, she wipes all their abilities. And then it's like, Oh, all these people that used to have abilities. Now they don't, Hmm. we need to get them back. Oh, and then they get them back and now they have mutants. But Wanda does value things that are good. Like, she loves Vision, who is one of the, maybe the most uh, uncorruptible out of all the Avengers. So, I think there's hope for Wanda to maybe be tempted by the dark side, but turn away from it. Because she realizes that that is not who she is. And it's a betrayal of what she has worked for until this point in her life. And a betrayal of Vision. I mean, mm-hmm. we know now that Vision is sort of alive. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. sort of. He's out there somewhere? sort of somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> so she can even, she can get him back and she can get her kids back. Well, it, She just it's, can't freak out too hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's probably going to boil down to evil Doctor Strange seduces her. Like, I'll teach you the, the right things to do to get them back. Mm. And, you know, Doctor Strange is going to 
have to fight against that and say like, no, like you don't need that kind of power. What if she, (laughs) (laughs) what if he like, Oh God. And then, and then (laughs) the watcher's going to show up. Well, that's that's how he'll show up. I was kind of thinking that like she would, she would try to get back like everyone that she's lost. So she tried to get back her parents and her brother Mm -hmm. and getting back her parents would introduce us to Magneto because maybe in like the universe that we're in, Mm. he died when that building collapsed on them. But like now he's brought back. And so it's like, Oh, Magneto is her dad and her brother's back. So now we have Quicksilver again. Maybe, like literally anything can happen. All of these things. Uh, well, Do you we think that maybe like get... the watcher will show up and just like get super strange and be like, How did you get out of your snow globe? Go back right now. You have been grounded for the rest of eternity. I'm just picturing like a weird like who framed Roger Rabbit moment where <laughs> they like lock evil strange back in the in the little cube or whatever he's in and inside of it is like him and then animated strange and they like look at each other and you're like (laughs) i could almost see that being being like in a post-credit scene is like it switches to like what if style yeah and we see like that's how basically that'll be the watchers we we get a what what if thing and (laughs) i'm into it i want a spider-man moment but with all the doctor strangers so it's like Evil Doctor Strange pointing at animated Doctor Strange pointing at good Doctor Strange or whatever. What's the one? Now they're saying that there's like Iron Strange or something. Oh, Defender Strange. Yeah. 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 What's that about? Why does he need an Iron Man suit? Why not? If you can have one, why not use it? It doesn't matter if you've got magic. You can also use a big metal cyborg suit. True. And that could also lead to uh, armor wars because, like, I guess we have to assume that he still has a bunch of suits hidden somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the the Ultron robots, which I thought was maybe a, a tie-in. I know that we, we talked about this a little bit last week, but it made me think about in the comics and I think in the cartoon they create a prison that holds all of the supervillains, but it's Pimtech, so it's tiny, <laughs> and the guards inside the prison are tiny Ultron robots. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, that's like the birth of Ultron in the comics, is that these gotcha. tiny robots like sync up with each other somehow and become sentient and break out. But I was kind of thinking like, oh, what if this is like a tie-in with quantum manium and this is that tiny prison (laughs) and they've taken strange to it and there's all the tiny ultron robots and we'll see tiny prison why wouldn't they just have a regular sized person as the guard and just like carry it around in a purse (laughs) (laughs) that makes that makes too much sense lock it bowling ball bag so it zips all the way (laughs) It's just cash. 
I there's so much that they could do and I'm excited to see where it goes, especially especially because again, this is their chance. This is their chance to tie all of this together in a succinct way that shows that the series either affect or are affected by the movies because you're building all these character stories outside where like now Falcon is the new captain America. Now Bucky is like a solid good guy with a giant vibranium arm. Like (laughs) I want to see these stories be in the MCU as opposed to we never see them again. So that brings to a good point of like, will could okay so like some people are calling like the what it the reality bubble basically the the, the wall between the real world and <laughs> uh wanda's made-up world what if that shows up again could we see another version of that in dr strange 2 will sword be there doing anything yeah where are they we haven't um, seen them since right so yeah there, there's these things and that's a good point because like is it okay to do that? Well, pe- people that haven't watched WandaVision get it. Is that too much? Like, oh, well, this thing's mm-hmm. weird. What is this? I think there's a way to do it where, like, you could maybe entice people to mm-hmm. go watch WandaVision, but not make it so they need to watch WandaVision. <laughs> like, I think... What if uh, you go watch Sit Down for Doctor Strange and, and do you, you intro with, like... <laughs> Wanda, like, let's fill you in on what's been going on, and they basically just <laughs> recap like WandaVision. Last time on WandaVision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's one way to do it. Yeah, just knock it out. Remind or, everybody. Or it's like, even like, what if they opened to the very last scene in WandaVision? I think that would be good. That'd kind of be interesting and cool. Yeah. I think you would have to maybe condense a couple key scenes for it to make sense if people didn't watch it. But on the flip side, I think the way that they introduced it, even just in the trailer or the Mm -hmm. teaser, was probably fine. Yeah. Because, like, if you didn't know what was going on, it would really only take another sentence or two to get what happened. Yeah that could easily be like fudged into a conversation between her and strange. But then yeah, it's like they could, us, um, it's, hmm. you know, validation. <laughs> strange could go to her to try to get help. And she could easily initially not want anything to do with them, but reference Agatha. Like, why don't you go mm. talk to Agatha? Yeah. I don't know. There's so much I could do to kind of bridge the show in that movie. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like, it's, I understand why they did Spider-Man the way they did Spider-Man, knowing Mm -hmm. that now it's back in Sony's hands for the next three movies with Marvel as more of like a help out role. (laughs) Um, So I, I understand I guess why they didn't include anything else in that. But this, it's like, no, this is all Marvel property. (laughs) Like you guys can't leave us hanging with 
all of this stuff that you've set up in these shows that should affect everything that's going to happen with multiverse and quantumania. So at some point you're going to have to cross them somehow. I because even with this, <laughs> you would like. I know we've mentioned this before, but you'd still need to try to maybe tie in Loki and what happened in Loki as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got to do something. Like at least flashback to when the universe broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can even use the same footage. That'd be fun. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, what if instead, what if this movie started with that scene from Loki, mm-hmm. and then maybe crossed it over to time up with the scene from Spider-Man to then be like, that's the catalyst of the multiverse. And maybe it wasn't just Loki. It was what Loki did and what strange did mm-hmm. at the same time, just destroyed everything. It makes sense. to validate like uh party's <laughs> venom too. Like, mm-hmm. Um, that's one I, I kind of want to go back and rewatch just for that scene alone. Yeah, I think that it, it would be again, easy. It's easy to plug those two scenes in and tie them together and help us as viewers understand how all of these connects to each other, especially if they're going to use the same actors and actresses and storylines between the series and the shows, you have to tie them together. Like you can't pull an agents of shield or a Netflix Marvel show where it's like the shows reference the movie and the movies ignore completely that the show exists. And it's like, well, what's the point? Like, how am I supposed to believe that this stuff that you're saying is going on at the same time as the movie is being completely ignored by everything in the movie. And now that Disney owns it all, it's like, it's all in one place. You don't have it spread out across five different streaming services. It's like, not nah, all of this stuff that's going to be canon. In the MCU is Disney, Disney plus the Hulu stuff. While fun and interesting, it, it does seem like they're, that's where they're throwing their more, more mature content, I guess. Yeah. Like Weird the more stuff. violent. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's fine. Shove all that stuff over there. But like all of this Disney stuff should at least be connected in some way. Hey, Disney, if you're listening, maybe a week before Doctor Strange 2, why don't you just release all of WandaVision for free? There you go. Get people to sign up. <laughs> yeah, could. Or at least be like, you may need to see this for this movie to make sense. So we're going to give it to you free for one week. Be like HBO and do a free preview weekend. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to see what else we can glean from our rewatch of WandaVision. I know, we're about to start so. getting to like my favorite episode. So. <laughs> so definitely, if you're listening along and watching along, uh, join us next week. We're going to talk about episodes... I'm really messed up four and five <laughs> of WandaVision as we continue our watch through before we get Moon Knight. So got any uh cool sixties, seventies one liners? 
groovy. <laughs> that was terrible. I don't, <laughs> I don't have one, but this episode did reference macrame, <laughs> which is the most 70s of arts and crafts. And I distinctly remember, like, uh, whenever I was in high school, that was one of the art projects that I chose in art classes. I was going to do this macrame necklace. I don't even know where I found a macrame pattern in 2004, but I remember bringing it home and my mom being like, good Lord, I haven't seen this in forever. So, so that was macrame. your daily dose of 70s. Yeah, macrame, do it. Just, just <laughs> macrame. Show us your macrame. <laughs> Yeah, send us your Marvel-themed macrame art. We will share it on our Instagram because now now I'm absolutely dying to see it. Please do it. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market hi I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.